Hello from Boise, Idaho and Idaho Education News. This is Extra Credit, your weekly podcast looking at education policy and education politics. I'm Kevin Richard. And I'm Clark Corbin. Big busy week at the Idaho State House, and really a bad week for State Superintendent Sherry Barr. That's going to be a recurring theme as we recap the week. And it kind of starts with a perennial issue at the State House that went down to a resounding defeat on Wednesday. You were there on the House floor for the, we called it a bloodbath, and the numbers back that up. Yeah, Kevin, you must be talking about Superintendent Ibarra's signature legislative initiative, the Rural Schools Center. That would be the one, yep. This is uh, this is something that the superintendent has proposed in each of the last three legislative sessions. And the idea that uh, Superintendent Ibarra and her supporters say is that this would form kind of a cooperative pilot program where districts in small geographically remote areas of the state could kind of band together, pool their resources uh, for services or programs or personnel that they might otherwise not be able to afford. And the examples that were given is maybe a couple of school districts, maybe they don't need a full-time psychologist on mm-hmm. their own. Right. That's kind of a hard-to-fill position. It might be kind of expensive. Um, but if four or five different school districts shared their resources, uh, each chipped in, say, 20% and had the school psychologist on their grounds uh, for one day a week, a handful of days a month, that would be kind of an example of what we're talking about, but... And, and, and nobody seems to be opposed to the idea of these rural districts banding together and consolidating resources. The question is whether you need to create an, an office or a division to make that happen. That was really where this bill ran aground and where it's run aground before. Kind of as you alluded to, it's failed in each of the two previous sessions. It failed big time on Wednesday. And yeah, that was just the point. Uh, People who questioned this proposal said there is already statute on the books, already law on the books in Idaho uh, that allows these school districts to enter into these partnership agreements. And we have seen districts do just that. Uh, The CASA system is one of those examples. There's others uh, throughout the state. And so basically, Several lawmakers were skeptical of this thing. Debate was one-sided against it, and they wondered, is this really inserting another layer of government bureaucracy standing between the schools and the services they need? Uh, One of the more conservative members of the House, Representative Heather Scott from Blanchard, Mm -hmm. says this really sounds like setting up a new State Department of Education up in North Idaho, and we don't need a whole new level of bureaucracy. This thing failed kind of worse than it ever has before, Kevin. It it had passed the House in both of the previous two years uh, where it got to the Senate late in the session and was basically ignored by the Senate. This year, uh, it squeaked out of the House Education Committee late last week, and it was overwhelmingly killed. I believe it was 20 votes in favor, 48 votes against it. Right, and and, and it's, it's even worse than the vote tally would suggest. I mean... Only 10 uh, House Republicans voted for this. I mean, half of the support that Abar did manage to get were from, from, were from Democrats. She only got 10 votes from her own party. And there's an asterisk there, too, because even uh, Paul Amador, the, the, the lawmaker who had the unenviable task of carrying this bill on the House floor, kind of joked about it afterwards that, you know, there are a couple of lawmakers who voted yes simply to spare him the embarrassment of getting the... Uh, the Crow, which this is kind of a little piece of legislative lore, the House member who has uh, most recently had a bill or a motion fail catastrophically on the House floor gets this really ugly, you know, 
decorative isn't probably the right word crow to uh, to mark their uh, their defeat and a couple of people voted yes it sounds like simply to keep the crow from landing in uh, on Paul Amador's desk that's exactly right it's a hazing thing uh, legislators haze each other and it only happens a couple of times a year and it's usually when you get 18 or fewer yes votes less than 25% of the support just so the, so the 20 votes kind of spared Paul Amador the the you know the equivalent of relegation in soccer. Right. I mean, he avoided the uh, the race to the bottom and uh, getting 18. We've, we've both seen the ceremony before. It's horribly embarrassing for the representative. They put the house at ease. The person who had the crow previously stands up, and there's this ceremony. They bring it over to the new person. And it's all about embarrassing the legislator. And some people do take it uh, with a sense of humor and laugh about it and try to embrace it. But it is uh, about embarrassing a legislator, and it only happens with the very most unpopular bills of the whole session. And the debate was so one-sided against it that before the vote was even called, Amador said, I think I might be getting the crow here. I hope the crow doesn't fly. And then the next day, on Thursday, Amador sponsored a completely unrelated bill. Everybody voted no initially uh, and then kind of turned it over and voted yes uh, after kind of messing with him again. You know, people obviously had not forgotten, but why is... The hazing aside, I mean... This is a, a policy embarrassment for, for Superintendent Ibarra, who has pushed this proposal now for three sessions. Support is eroding, not building. Uh, I talked to one lawmaker, Julie Van Orden, afterwards, and she said that there was big concern that this is going to be not just a pilot program, but an expansion into a whole new, uh, a whole new program that... Uh, Lawmakers obviously had no appetite for. Yeah, in this particular pilot program would have had one small $300,000 funding request attached to it, which JFAC ignored, by the way, mm-hmm. did not provide the funding for it. But there was some concern that if this pilot project started this year, you could have potentially six more start in the coming years that would each run for another three years. Then all of a sudden we're talking about real money. But I think the legislature was fed up with this idea. And also, you didn't really see Superintendent Ibarra change too much after the proposal uh, stalled out and died in the Senate each of the last two years. The bill is substantially similar. There is a a sunset clause on it that would have basically made the school districts uh, pay for these programs themselves after three years, but I didn't see any visible change in strategy out of the superintendent. I did not see her going over to the House Education Committee every day, talking with these lawmakers one-on-one about how how important this is. I did not see superintendents from North Idaho come down and beg for this and say, we're having a hard time, we're swamped, we're overwhelmed, we can't make ends neat, Uh, we cannot make ends meet, we need Mm -hmm. help here. I I didn't really see any kind of increased strategy, but Superintendent Ibarra continued to call it uh, one of her very top legislative priorities, which I thought was really curious. Mm -hmm. Uh, But like you said, that's not the only reason she had a bad week. Less than 24 hours before that, she lost another big legislative proposal. You were there in Senate education when they put the brakes on the mastery-based education program. What's that program, and what happened, and what does it mean? Right. I mean, and this is not just a Sherry Ibarra priority. This was something uh, Governor Butchotter has supported. It's from the, the task, task force. force uh, brought in, in 2013. But what came down in, in Senate education on Tuesday was a proposal that would have turned the pilot program for mastery into a full-fledged program. It would have gotten rid of all of the pilot language uh, it came with a funding request uh, 
both Ibarra and Otter wanted to double the budget for mastery education from $1.4 million to $2.8 million. Senate education had no interest in expanding the program. Uh, they were concerned about uh, lack of data, about how is this shift to a mastery schedule affecting student performance. And that's kind of the goal, is that you're going to tailor the pace of education to students and, and get them to perform better. Uh, some legislators were asking for more data. They were a little bit concerned about the creation of a a commission, a panel that would oversee the mastery process. And in the end, it was a pretty lopsided vote in Senate education to hold the bill, which kills it. Yeah. Um, the funding request now obviously will not uh, go forward because there's nothing to fund. Uh, the only member of Senate education who wanted to move forward was uh, the vice chairman, Stephen Thane from Emmett. Everybody else opposed the expansion of the mastery program. So that's a setback uh, for Ibarra because it was her policy uh, person, uh, Duncan Robb, who was pushing the legislation in committee, but also a setback for, for the governor and a bit of a, a rebuke on this whole movement towards mastery. It doesn't mean the program is dead. You've still got pilot programs around the state, but it certainly does slow down that process. And i got to tell you, like you said, this recommendation has been on the books for several years. It came from the task force, which I believe issued the 20 recommendations in the summer of 2013, I want to mm -hmm. say. Uh, there was a pilot program that was started. A number of districts jumped onto that. But i got to say, when Mastery came up in the House Education Committee earlier this year, I really encountered some deep fundamental resistance to Mastery that sort of surprised me. Mm -hmm. And several legislators were hung up on this idea that students could be held back from advancing. And to me, that is a central tenet of what Mastery is. If you cannot get your arms around that, you're not ready for mastery. And so what right. mastery So the mastery is, bill passed the House, but there was that kind of odd debate going on right. and fairly divided vote. And so, so what mastery is, is is the idea that students would no longer advance from subject to subject or unit of study to unit of study or grade to grade based on spending a year in class and right. avoiding a failing grade. They would truly advance at their own pace only after they had mastered the content or the unit that was before them. So by its very nature, that means some students would be able to advance more quickly, but other students would not advance as quickly until they master it. And members of the House Education Committee really struggled with that, were really hung up. They said, wouldn't that be embarrassing if your student was held back? Well, yeah, but that's sort of the whole idea. And if, you can't, if you're not comfortable with that, you're not comfortable with mastery. Right. Um, so I think that we still haven't heard the end of this. This doesn't mean that mastery is dead in the state of Idaho. It means the expansion will not happen right. next year. Uh, but I think that they need to sort of figure out where we are with mastery and, and have some more deep conversations about what it means and what the realities would be for our students. Uh, some people definitely are not ready. It'll be interesting to see what kind of regrouping happens and kind of where this proposal goes with a new governor. Uh, yeah, Obviously, it's not going much faster in the next year or so based on what happened in, in committee this week. But uh, we'll, we'll see. I, I don't think the idea is going to go away, but there may be a kind of a repackaging or a reframing of the debate. Another issue that isn't going to go away that I uh, took a look at this week is the question of how does Idaho want to test young readers? Uh, last week, uh, the Joint uh, Finance Appropriations Committee put the brakes on another proposal this would have expanded the pilot of a new reading test. It was only a $100,000 line item, but it was rejected unanimously by JFAC. 
And JFAC inserted language into Superintendent Ibarra's budget, basically banning her from doing any kind of work to, you know, you know to pursue a new contract and a new uh, reading test. So the pilot right now is on hold. And it's really kind of an interesting one of those legislative endgame kind of proposals. There's been some talk behind the scenes. I wrote about it this week that there was a meeting last week with uh, several key legislators, Ibarra's staff, State Board of Education, stakeholders, everybody at the table trying to figure out where to go with the reading test. And as I talked to a couple of key legislators, Julie Van Orden and Wendy Horman, both kind of said they're not convinced that there's a need for a statewide reading test, that they would kind of prefer to maybe let local school districts figure out a way to test their kindergarten through third graders, identify which kids are at risk of falling behind and maybe falling hopelessly behind if they can't get up to speed on reading. So it's kind of an interesting shift and kind of an interesting paradigm. This issue isn't going to go away. It's going to probably get resolved in some manner. It seems like everybody wants to come away from the session with some sort of a path forward on the reading test, but it may not be the path forward that uh, Superintendent Ibarra wanted. I mean, she's wanted to change the IRI, go with this new test that's being piloted by iStation, uh, this vendor out of Texas. She wanted to go statewide with this. She's ready to go. And I don't think it's going to happen. Um, An interesting sidelight to the story, and it gets a little bit dense, and it's probably something more, (laughs) read it. It's probably easier to understand if you read it. But uh, one thing that came out of all of this debate over the reading test, Boise State University was asked to do a a survey, talking, well, interviewing teachers about the iStation test, the pilot test, to get a sense of how it's working. And the numbers are kind of interesting. Some teachers feel pretty good about what they're seeing, but there are also some questions that they're raising about, is this really testing computer literacy when you talk to kindergartners coming into school? Are we really just testing whether they're, you know, tech savvy as opposed to whether they have, you know, the beginning of reading skills? Questions about the length of the test, how much time it takes to execute the test. So kind of a mixed bag. And the bottom line of the BSU survey is you can't really judge this reading test until next fall. It's too early to say that this is the right approach to take. And that has really resonated with some key legislators. That wording about we don't know enough and we won't know enough for another year has really galvanized some of the budget writers. Um, it's an interesting little political tussle going on between legislators and the superintendent's office about where we go from here on this reading test. So it's it's a, a bit of a dense story, but it's a, a pretty important story as the session winds down. Yeah, for sure. I know you'll continue to follow, but I know literacy and literacy intervention among struggling young readers has been an area that the legislature has tried to focus on, especially in the last two years. This isn't going away, uh, but obviously uh, some questions, some concerns, uh, some calls for some more data and a broader understanding of what we're doing and what's working and, and maybe what isn't. Uh, so... We'll continue to cover it, and I know you'll continue to be on top of it, Kevin. Next topic, get us caught up on what's become maybe the most hotly debated legislation on the education front this year, the uh, the GEM scholarship, the uh, private school scholarship. 
barely survived the House uh, floor on Monday. Yeah, no shortage of controversy with education issues here late in the session, right, Kevin? But uh, you're talking about the GEM scholarship. Uh, That's House Bill 590. Mm -hmm. I've referred to it as the private school scholarship bill in some of my articles. Some of the education groups call it a voucher bill masquerading as Mm -hmm. a scholarship bill. But what it is, uh, pushed by Representative John Vanderwouda, a longtime legislator, a Republican from Nampa, uh, has tried this before, taken a little bit different approach this year. But the idea is that the state would create these new scholarships that special needs and at-risk students, as well as students from poverties, from poverty and military families, would be able to use. And they wouldn't be able to use this at public schools. The idea is they would use it for tuition and fees at private schools, at private online schools, at private tutoring programs, uh, or for uh, to pay for tests and assessment and those sort of things. And the idea is that there would be this new scholarship created. Uh, certain eligible students would be able to use it for those types of scenarios. And then the State Board of Education would sort of play this role uh, that nobody understands supervising the new scholarship. Mm-hmm, right. It had an odd committee hearing in House Education, which we talked about last week. This week on Monday morning, which seems like months ago <laughs> at this point, came up for a vote on the floor after a long debate. It passed the House 39 uh, to 31. The supporters of the bill say it's all about providing choice and opportunities for families that uh, if they have special needs students and they come from poverty, they may not be able to afford private school tuition, but maybe those students would thrive under a smaller class size in a private school. The opponents have lined up every major, major education group. The State Board of Education, State Superintendent Sherry Ybarra are opposing this under several grounds. They say that through tax credits, which may already be on the books or which may be coming in future sessions, depending on who you listen to and talk to, tax mm-hmm. credits available to the scholarship uh, could divert resources that would otherwise be available for public schools. There's concern about that. Also, some of the opponents of this bill have said school choice is alive and well in the state of Idaho. Uh, families may choose a public school, a charter school, a private school, homeschooling from a portfolio of choices that are alive and well in the state of Idaho. They say that remains intact whether we pass this bill or not. But they said, why would we incentivize students to leave a public school if many private schools do not provide busing transportation and are not obligated to provide the types of programs for at-risk special needs students or to accept federal funding for those types of programs like public schools are required to do so. And so a deeply divided house uh, passed this. Like we said, I think it was 39 to 31. Mm-hmm. Very, very close vote coming out of the house. We It's on its way to the Senate. We do expect Senate Education Committee uh, to likely hold a hearing on the bill, right, Kevin? Right. Um, we don't know when that hearing is going to be. It hasn't been set. Um, it could happen next week. You know, uh, Chairman Dean Mortimer was wrapping up Thursday's work for the committee, and that kind of signaled that they've got uh, three big days of hearings coming up next week. Also signaled that, you know, as is custom at this time of the session, uh, committees are t- trying to wrap up their work, right? Uh, because the two chambers have to spend a lot of time on the floor voting on bills. I read that as a signal that there could be a committee hearing and a committee vote on this next week. We don't know that for certain. Uh, as soon as we know for certain, we will uh, we will post that because I know there's a lot of interest in this issue. It'll be very interesting for me to see how this committee 
uh, takes on this issue. There are certainly members of Senate education who are strongly in support of school choice, who have made uh, a, a lot of their legislative uh, reputation on supporting school choice. The, the Bob Nonini, yeah. uh, Stephen Thane, Lori Dan Hartog. But you, you get down also to the question of the mechanics of this bill, uh, which kind of came up a little bit in the House debate and has certainly come up as the State Board of Education has come out against it. That, you know, are the mechanics of this bill, are the mechanics of this scholarship program something that legislators want to get behind? So I I would not try to handicap what this committee does. I don't think it's fair to the committee members until you until you get a sense of how they debate it and kind of a sense of what kind of questions they ask during the hearing. It will be an interesting hearing, no question about that, because uh, folks are lined up in opposition to this bill. There are also folks lined up in favor of it. It should be another very uh, heated discussion when the Senate does take this thing up. Yeah, it's certainly one of the most controversial bills remaining uh, within the education circles this late in the session. We'll continue to cover it. If you're following along at home, that's House Bill 590. Uh, we've had several articles about it in the last uh, week or two. Uh, if you want to scroll back to Monday, uh, we have the story on it passing the House last Friday, the State and, Board and the of Education. And the roll call vote from the House. So yeah. if you want to know how your legislator voted on this, you can find out there. All right. Uh, that was the big top stories that I want to get to, but as is the case this time of year, a lot of secondary stories that would otherwise be our top stories haven't gotten the coverage or the attention, but let's just go through them real quickly. Uh, widespread yeah. plans uh, for a student walkout next week, and our Andrew Reed uh, has talked a little bit about what to expect and how different schools are going to handle uh, that when that comes right. up. Right. The, the walkouts are being planned for next Wednesday, the 14th. Uh, Andrew Reed's story kind of lays out kind of how districts are responding to it, what some of the walkouts uh, may look like, um, and we'll have full coverage next week of the walkouts. Another issue that we know is coming up next week that I tried to set the stage on are school elections. The big numbers to keep in mind here, 44 of the state's 115 school districts have something on the ballot next week. It may be a bond issue, it may be a plant facilities levy, it may be a supplemental levy. 44 districts, so from the biggest West Ada to some of the smallest. And the bottom line, we have $410 million worth of ballot measures up, uh, up for a vote on Tuesday. I've got a full roundup of what is on the ballot, and I have a breakout story about West Ada, which is seeking the biggest, uh, the biggest bond issue of the group, a $95 million bond issue to kind of deal with the ongoing growth in West Ada. We've got both of those stories online, so if you're planning to vote, and you should be if you're in one of these districts, you can find out what's going on in your district and get uh, get caught up before the vote. We'll have full coverage of the votes on Wednesday. So uh, in the middle of the legislative season, we've got uh, a pretty busy and pretty important election day. Sure. We'll continue to cover the Idaho legislature. We'll be there every day. Kevin, I think there will probably be two more full weeks of legislative activity after this week and maybe a couple. We haven't really seen how this new adjournment procedure is going to play out, so there may be even a few more days added on to that uh, where they're just sort of letting bills circulating, getting to the governor's desk, and not a lot else happening. We haven't seen it play out before, but... Yeah, uh, the legislature will look like. We don't know when those final few days are going to come. 
but we'll we'll be there till the end, whenever that end is. Yeah, still looking for the public school budgets to surface, yes, right. and a lot of financial decisions right. to be spent. And the higher ed budget, by the way, is uh, sitting on the Senate floor. That could come up for a vote as early as Monday. So, lots of moving parts that we're keeping an eye on. All right, we'll do our best to keep track of it. Thank you so much, as always, for listening. We had a lot of fun here on the Extra Credit Podcast and at IdahoEdNews.org, kind of exploring this complicated intersection of school politics and school policy. As always, thanks so much for listening. I'm Clark. I'm Kevin. Have a good week.